0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 111, part two, the second part of my interview with Mr. Bill Gardner. If you have not heard part one, head back one episode and start there. We get into the early days of his design career, the start of Gardner design, how he was a magician before becoming a designer. Yeah, that was fun and a little bit of uh, more stories about projects and print and passions and that sort of thing. This episode, part two, we get really into the stories. It starts off with us talking about uh, some studies that were done that show design-centric companies grow faster and have potential to be bigger. He cites some studies that were done for that, and that is great information for you freelance designers, for you studio owners. That's a sales tool. That's fantastic. Design-centric companies grow faster. It's true. So uh, we also get into projects that he is the most proud to have been involved in, projects where he learned lessons and made mistakes, um, challenges he's faced in his career. We get into the stories. Hello. So ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. Part of my interview with Mr. Bill Gardner. Here we go.
1: Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So are you ready for a quickie?
0: Definitely. Um, So Bill, the next couple of questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, likely learned some lessons. And I want to pull those stories and lessons out for the listeners um (laughs) okay (laughs) yep so what do you think has been the most challenging time in your design career so far why was it challenging and how did you get through it
2: um so uh because you say in my design career Mm -hmm. i'm gonna kind of twist that on you and come back to say in my business career perfect Okay. Um which is that uh, keep keep in mind that um for uh, those you know thousands of listeners that you have that have their own business. Tens that, of thousands. You know, whether, well no, seriously <laughs> I know it's I know. you know whether <clears throat> whether it's somebody sitting at their kitchen table because that's where their desk is, or if it's somebody who's uh, you know, uh working in a much larger entity, I think that um you you've gotta keep in mind that uh what we design, what we do as designers, is highly subjective. You know, I mean, uh, and the clients that we deal with are highly objective,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and th- th- that is probably the biggest challenge for designers to to, to deal with, to understand that um, the, the person who's getting ready to write the check to them, so that they can design wants to know what's my return on investment Mm -hmm. and, you know, what designer is thinking about return on investment? You know, they're thinking about, Oh, I can use that, you know, that, that technique that I've been looking at, right. Here's where I can do a die cutter. I can flock this or I can, you know, and, and, and their mind is so kind of locked on Mm -hmm. to the design aspect of it that they're not as focused on the business aspect of it. And you know if uh, so when I say objective, um, if you go to a uh, CFO of a company, uh, they're going to uh, give twelve people a column of numbers and expect everybody to come up with the same answer. If you have twelve designers in there and give them the same project, I guarantee they're all going to come back with different you know solutions. They, they may be brilliant solutions, but but they're all very different. Yes. And what that individual wants to know, is, is that solution the right solution? Can you prove it to me? And and we know as designers that there's no proof, if you will, you know, and even if it comes down to doing, you know, uh, evaluating and testing post, you know, the production of some design. Mm-hmm. There are so many factors that are involved in kind of evaluating it that you may never be able to actually bring it down and say, yeah, look, here's your ROI on this. But as designers, when we learn to talk to people that are objective-minded,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we can start to think about our design in a little bit different perspective. You know, there, um, there are a couple of uh, – actually, there's multiple – Uh, reports, one that was done by the uh, Design Management Institute, one that was um, um, uh, done by the Design Council in Great Britain that basically took a number of uh, companies like in Great Britain uh, the Design Council took um, uh, what they call their Fitzy 100, Financial Times Stock Exchange 100, I'm getting deep here (laughs) 100 very best companies that you could potentially invest in and they compared those to 63 companies that were that at the top of their game when it came to being design centric companies. Mm-hmm. If, if we were thinking about it, we'd be thinking about the targets, the Herman Millers, the uh, uh, you know the, these these companies that are uh, apples, the Coca Colas that are totally focused on design as well. And they found that over a ten year period, the value of those companies increased close to two hundred and fifty percent quicker. Then those companies in the 500, 100 or in the, um, the same, is that the same kind of numbers are repeated. You know, when you take a look at the, you know, uh, the fortune 500 mm-hmm. companies, you, you find that design centric companies do much better. And by being able to kind of come back and say, no, I can't prove to you that this project is going to have that ROI, but I can show you that broadly that companies that are focused on design do incredibly well financially because they are focused on that brand and on that design and mm-hmm. building that consistency of market. And, you know, so it, it from the very beginning of Gardner design, I kept in mind that you had to be focused on business mm-hmm. and, that you you know uh as as even though I started the a i g a chapter instead of joining a lot of you know design groups, I was more interested in joining the Chamber of Commerce or I was more interested in joining business groups because that's frankly where your business is going to come from, yeah,
0: you know that's interesting, and some of the questions that I've asked some designers throughout doing these interviews is um you know, do they feel that the entrepreneurial community understands the importance of design. Um, And, you know, the question usually comes out when it's when they tell me a story about a difficult interaction with somebody who approached them and said, Hey, can you do a logo for a hundred bucks? I just need a new, I need a quick logo. Like that to me is an example of the business community, not fully understanding the importance of design. So thank you for pointing out that article, um, you know, where the research has been done that shows design
2: centric focused companies yeah, do perform yeah. better. They absolutely do. There's a reason do. for that. You know, when when somebody comes and offers you $100 to do a logo, run. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean that that's going to be the end of your experience with them. Yes. Uh, I mean it 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 sets it up for you. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that we can't actively educate you know, uh, people. And, you know, one, one of the very first things that, uh, when, when somebody comes and asks for a logo, uh, you know, it's, it's usually one of the very first indicators to me that they don't really understand what they're asking for, Mm -hmm. you know, um, because you and I both know, uh, that it's, it's not just about the logo, you know, that that it's much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And usually that conversation starts with me asking them, what, what would a logo do for you?
0: I like that question. What would a logo it, do for you?
2: You know, and, and having them kind of respond back to that because, you know, it, it allows them to educate themselves and uh, it, it it starts to open that door to them better understanding the value of uh, what visual branding or the tone that you establish with a, uh, a brand. All of these components you know kind of work in harmony together to build a strong brand and uh, if if they're just looking for a logo it's you know (laughs) don't Uh, waste your time
0: i like that i I like that um that question that you asked i think there's going to be a lot of people who get uh, a lot of value out of that um bill i want to go to a specific design or a project now that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired okay. result. Um, what was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story?
2: Mm. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll go ahead and take a uh, uh, shot. Can, can I do one really, really early on in my career?
0: Absolutely. You can do one okay. whatever, whenever.
2: Yeah. Um, So at a um, uh, very early point in my career, um, I was asked to uh, design the uh, brands, if you will, uh, the the logos for a series of four golf courses. They were public golf courses. Um, in the community, and uh, the parks director brought me in and said, "You know, and uh, you know, Wichita, Wichita happens to be this community that has tremendous parks, and uh, um, uh, the golf courses were a very uh, proud point of distinction for the park department." Mm-hmm. And started developing those, and it wasn't long before he said, "You know, we 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 really love these. Um, we're we're going to do signage, you know, as you enter into these facilities that uh, uses this." But um, said, uh, "How would you feel about uh, we we're kind of thinking about doing some T markers at each of the T areas uh, on the golf courses, mm-hmm. and we'd like to we'd like to do something, you know, uh, that carries this brand forward there." And all of the logos were created within this oval kind of configuration uh, for all the parks. So that there was this level of consistency. And um, uh, we, we got to talking to their uh, superintendent of the uh, golf courses. And uh, uh, we started looking at all the configurations, and the things that had to you know, be there for uh, these T-markers. And we ended up uh, developing these. uh, We actually made a mold that was uh, made to pour concrete into so that they could make these T-markers, which were, I don't know, maybe about eight inches thick Mm -hmm. and about 24 inches wide. Imagine them being kind of rectangular and sticking up out of the ground, uh, like a little bit of a monolith. Maybe they stood (laughs) up about a yard high. And they had kind of a rounded top to them because we placed the logo in an inset area up at the top of these. And uh, they they poured probably the first dozen of these things out of concrete and went and set the first one up. And we all kind of looked at it and said, it, it's a tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, uh, realized what we had basically done is designed a whole series of tombstones to stick up out of the golf course. And you, I mean, there was just no way around it. It's one of those you're just kind of looking at it and go, it's a graveyard. We've just designed a <laughs> graveyard for the golf course. It's, you know, uh, you know uh, it was just and uh, they kind of put the mold away. And that project uh, ran out of funding. And I don't recall that it ever uh, moved forward beyond that point. We did all the entry signage, mm-hmm. but uh, they kind of did away with the idea of doing any uh, standing T-mark markers but um yeah
1: Perfect. One of those,
2: you know it's 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 the classic uh you know anybody that designs logos can tell you that they've designed a logo where uh as brilliant as they believe it is that somebody stepped back and said oh it's a uterus or <laughs> it's uh oh it's it's a penis yep. or oh it's a you know and we're all sitting there kind of looking at it going <laughs> ah,
0: of course it is, you know? How did I not but, see that yet, Yeah, for sure. You know. Oh, that's a great. That's sorry, a yeah, that's a great one, Bill. Yeah. Um, what are you struggling with in your design career right now?
2: Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm <laughs> uh, famous last words. If I say I'm not, uh, right now, um, uh, we. We're so incredibly fortunate that we have uh, some really tremendous clients that get the idea of design. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that, if anything, uh, is it is that you know um, the dirty little secret is that designers love design so much that if. If somebody comes to us with a uh, with a great enough project, we'd do it for free. We'd pay mm-hmm. them to do it. You know, I mean, we're we're just such damn suckers for really great opportunities, and uh, there are a lot of great opportunities that just don't have the fiscal um, wherewithal to uh, to be able to make the project happen. And you know them when they walk in the door I mean you <clears throat> you get into your first conversation with the people, and despite their greatest uh, desires or maybe even their understanding of the value of design mm-hmm. um, if they don't have the cash in their pocket to make it happen it it's never going to happen mm-hmm. and you know uh, I think designers universally kind of see that, don't you
0: definitely yeah we've yeah. come we've come across that a number of times, and part of my um, my my sort of the most of my career has been involved in the commercial print industry. Sure. And you know, I can't really speak to being across the table from somebody who wants me to design something for them, but Mm -hmm. I can speak to somebody who has a brilliant idea on how to, an, an amazing reaction from prospects, from their customers, from mm, any mm-hmm. sort of experience with a printed piece. Yep. And, you know, whether it's a foil that's really going to bring it to life or really going yeah. to make a huge yeah. difference. And they're just like, yeah, but we just don't have that extra 500 bucks. And it's <laughs> like,
2: ah, please, we'll do it. Who cares? We'll do it for hang free. On, hang on, hang on. You can do foil for 500 bucks? No, okay, no, no. On. No, I take that I, back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got a new source
0: this is great yeah Yeah, so i know exactly what you're talking about where you know the the opportunities to really help create something that makes a real impact isn't always and often most often not backed by the financials to really make it happen without some concessions
2: so about two-thirds of the work that we do here and we do nothing but branding Mm -hmm. but two-thirds of the work is rebranding And as as draconian as that may sound or as unfulfilling as that may sound, I think it is probably the most rewarding work that can possibly be done. And typically, because you're rebranding, you've got a company that has the wherewithal to make it happen the right way. Mm they've they've got the financial backing to make it happen. So uh, to me, you know, um, that that's part of the solution is, you know, the, the client has to have the funding to be able to, uh, to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so many times it's a matter of um, a company that's lost its way or through poor stewardship or whatever has lost its uh, uh, relevance with its market and needs to find it again. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
2: those are the very best of clients because they, they, they really, at that point, have matured enough that they understand what the impact of good design is. Mm-hmm.
0: Well said, Bill. Um, so I'm going to turn this bus around for you, and I want uh-huh. to hear about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, the one that just makes your heart sing, or maybe it's the biggest design feather in your cap.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, so I need to uh, probably uh, indicate that uh, uh, we're an office of about ten
1: mm-hmm.
2: on a on a strong day when everybody's here. Um, <laughs> that um, we've got a number of really really exceptional designers, and uh, the the greatest pride that I have on any project is somewhat like a father. Mm-hmm from the perspective of seeing one of our designers do something that just totally blows me away or that blows the client away. Mm -hmm. That's just smart, brilliant thinking. And, uh, and, and, and we all tend to work back and forth off of each other. Um, in those ways. Um, any Anybody that wants to see our work can go to gardnerdesign.com and uh, kind of see the work that we do. But, um, uh, I, you know, um, uh, a few years back, we uh, were involved uh, with a company, a matter of fact, we're still involved with them, um, named Red Guard that manufactured blast-resistant buildings for the petrochemical industry. Yeah that had a terrible name of a box for you with the numeral four and the letter U in it. And um, uh, they're now one of the largest manufacturers of um, uh, blast resistant buildings, which um, if if you can imagine um, refineries uh, uh, to optimize their process have to shut down once a year. To uh, what's called a turnaround, which is basically to come in and uh, clean out the equipment and to optimize it and refresh it and the likes before they start it back up, and it's incredibly yeah. costly. But a refinery may need to bring in up to like 1,600 people on that site My in order goodness. to that process. And um, uh, because a number of refineries were um, uh, concerned about explosions. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, about what can happen during this process, and it's not uncommon. Um, uh, This company developed these steel reinforced buildings that they can drop on site, that they can basically build a community on site to allow people to come in and do this process. And uh, we renamed them Red Guard and um, uh, ultimately uh, rebranded them uh, broadly across the board. And now it's the uh, largest blast-resistant building uh, manufacturer in the world and um, uh, just doing incredibly well. Uh, Brian Weems was the art director and uh, senior creative on that and just an amazing job. Um, uh, to Adam Anderson, just uh, another one of our art directors, uh, just completing a simple little uh uh, restaurant called Coney Island that he did some just amazing illustrative work that uh, is, you know, at, as, as corporate as Redguard was, this is at the entire other <laughs> the end of the spectrum, end. Yep. you know, um, uh, of this uh, kind of uh, selling uh, and developing this new licensable branded look to a restaurant that is literally 100 years old. Wow. Um and it is just now going through this revitalization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we we, we we get to touch so many kinds of projects. My my greatest love is just that diversity and relearning a new industry every, you know, uh, every month, every other week, we're talking to clients in diverse industries.
0: Very cool. And it's always a learning then. Always learning new industries, learning about them, doing the research on them. Yep. I like it. Cool. Bill, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without?
2: <laughs> well, I'm going to be uh, very self-ingratiating uh, here and say Logo Lounge. Um, <laughs> but but why not? I'm going to get why I'm get not there. <laughs> you know. Um, So, a lot of people don't really uh, know this story, but when uh, Logo Lounge was started, um, and by the way, I'm I'm an incredible bibliophile. I love books. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I have this massive passion for books, and uh, at the time that uh, it was started up, um, you know, I literally had. You know, close to a 100 books that were just catalogs of logos that, you know, our designers, if they were starting on a project and it had a picture of a, that maybe they wanted to reference a horse, you know, they'd sit there and they'd go through and they would post it you note know, these books, you know, for hours and days, you know, uh, looking for horses. And that was the, you know, the impetus of, uh, actually, eBay was, because eBay had just started up. And I thought, you know, what a great idea. If somebody in Britain has a teapot they want to sell, they can take a picture of it. They can put a little bit of information. They can call it a teapot. They can put it online, and within seconds, I can put in the word teapot. It pulls up a picture of it, and I can see it and all the information, and I'm going, the process is there.
1: Mm -hmm. What would
2: happen if we did that with brands and identities and logos and and uh, all those people I started this conversation up uh, uh, talking about went to them and said, "Hey, you want to be part of this?" And they populated that original launch of uh, Logo Lounge by putting on not just the logos that were uh, currently in use, but logos that they had designed that had never seen the light of day. Mm-hmm. That's you know we we all like to pull back the curtains and see what somebody did that didn't get shown. You know, it's it's being able to. To see where minds go that the client wasn't smart enough to pick sometimes, and by doing this, um, you know uh, it was probably about three years in the thinking process before mm-hmm. Logo Lounge actually launched. But when it did launch, without any advertising or marketing, the you know the design community just embraced it out of nowhere mm-hmm. and turned into this amazing series of books. But to this day, if you go to Logo Lounge and you know it's it's an annual membership of hundred bucks. And when you think about it, unless you're that designer, who's just going to design that one logo. That's a hundred dollar logo. You're, you're not the right person, no. yeah. <laughs> but you know, um, if, if you're a designer and you love design and you want to see what others are doing, this is such a highly contextualized site that it's, you know, better than 300,000 logos that have been uploaded by our members and you know we've got close to 20,000 members around the world that have uploaded their work to this site that um, uh, is just so amazing and, and it's so contextualized that you can search by uh, keyword or by industry or by the designer or geography or the quality of the work is right mm-hmm. by the judges or I mean there's so many ways that you can start to home in and it's for this idea of being able to see what others have done and standing on their shoulders It's, you know, it's, it it's, it's not for stealing ideas and nobody in the community thinks that it is, but it's about that idea of seeing where other people are. And I, you know, if I, if I tell people one thing, typically it's that it, it's more important to know how you got there than it is to know where you are, Mm -hmm. because, you know, anybody can knock off somebody else's design, but if you know why that person designed it the way they did then you have enough information to be able to design something for your own that so, is using that thinking.
0: So almost understanding and appreciating the journey and the reason. Yes, yes, exactly. Benefit. You know. So, All right, Bill, go. I'm going to wrap it up with the ask it forward question here. I have a question yeah. for you from my last guest, and then you get yes. an opportunity to ask a question of the next guest. Okay. So my last guest was our boy Kendrick Kidd in Jacksonville, Kendrick. Florida. Yes, and uh, he wanted to ask: With the pace of change in our current world, um, and in content creation, what do you think it takes to have longevity?
2: Yeah, um, I'm. I'm going to go to a uh, quote from Tom Geismer. Mm-hmm. and 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 I love this, uh, which is that nothing dulls so quickly as the cutting edge. And it's so true. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, when, um, when, when you look at those people that are burning the brightest, look at how long they burn. It usually doesn't last long. Mm-hmm. It's usually a flash. And when you look at those people that have had just tremendous careers, it's usually because they're smart enough, to recognize the difference between flash and substance,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you know uh when 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 you've got good thought, good context, good reason behind what you do, as opposed to going for the technique or as opposed to uh going going for volume, mm-hmm. then you're gonna find that your career is going to last so much longer, and uh there you go,
0: so well said. And I love that. I love that quote. Thank you for that one, Bill.
2: Oh, yeah. No, thank Tom Geismer for that quote. That was, uh, <laughs> that was entirely his doing.
0: Yep, definitely. Um, what is your question that you would like me to ask the next guest?
2: Yeah, well, as you and I talked, I, I guess I'm not going to ask about what product they use on their beard, since we don't know really <laughs> whether or not they're going to have a beard or if it's a male or a female. But, and by the way, for the audience that doesn't know, Dave sports a heck of a beetle beard. <laughs> it's there. What? 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 Do you use, do you use product on it?
0: Oh yes, I uh, harvest my own from fresh cedar trees that surround the house. I just get out of here. No. i tap i've I've tapped the cedar trees in my backyard no i'm just um yeah i just i just clean it (laughs) it's
2: Uh, important okay um so my question is going to go back to uh the fundamentals of design uh for just a minute which is this um for years and years, we were told that every brand and identity needed to be designed in one color and uh, be able to withstand time. That was the only way that it was going to work,
1: mm-hmm.
2: obviously, because we live in a RGB environment instead of a CMYK. No, no slight to print. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we find that we can do so much more. What design have they seen? that's pushed design too far too
0: far awesome bill i'm going to ask that question to the next guest so you're going to have to tune in to hear
2: the answer i will do it i will do it. awesome
0: bill thank you so much for your time today you've reached the end of the quickie podcast here
2: you're a genuine individual i like you dave (laughs) (laughs) i really appreciate that. super kind
0: words all right thank you everybody so much for listening to part two of my interview with bill gardner if you missed part one head back and listen to that now there's great stories And great things there, too. Thanks again for your time.
1: And, you know, I'll be back tomorrow. New stuff tomorrow. Talk to you soon. Bye.